everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Tea to Green Golf Podcast. We are excited that you've lined the fairways with us today for another informative episode. I truly am excited about the content and our guest today. As you all are aware, 2020 has been a transitional year in so many ways. We're going to dive into one of those ways this evening uh, in the sports industry. Uh, And as you know, we are seeing an evolution of the sport of golf becoming more diverse than it has ever been in its history. An opportune time for amateurs who desire to be professionals, children who are embracing the game with visions of playing at the high school, the collegiate level, and ultimately the professional level. This evening, we are bringing with you two pioneers who are truly in the midst of leading that charge. Today, I have representing the United Golfers Association, Ty Delavalade, who is the executive director, and Andy Walker, who is the director of the UGA Academy and Player Development. And so from me to you, from the T to Green Fairways, help me welcome Ty and Andy. Fellas, welcome to the T to Green Golf Podcast. Take a minute to introduce yourselves. Ty Lavalade, Executive Director for UGA, and um, got my hands mixed in a bunch of other golf uh, businesses, Deuce and Black Golf Wire as well. But thank you, Vic, for having us on this evening. Uh, we've been trying to make this happen for a while, but it's all about timing. I'm realizing that more and more these days. It's not about when you want. It's about when it's supposed to happen. So uh, I really appreciate you having Andy and I on this evening and looking forward to some good conversations, some good banter, but more importantly, making sure that we can share the story about where we're going, why we're here, and, and truly, what's the, what's the purpose? What's our purpose as we move forward in this uh, adventure we call UGA? Indeed. Hi, everyone. I'm, uh, I'm Andy Walker, a little easier name to say than Ty's. And, um, <laughs> you know, I, I, obviously a former college player and tour player uh, turned college coach and instructor, um, and now very fortunate to, to partner up with, with Ty and, uh, and be involved in the, the, the biggest and most intentional diversity effort in the history of the game. And I, and I say that a lot because it is that, and um, it's not only a, a privilege and an honor, it's, it's something that I owe to the game. And, uh, you know, I can't wait to not only talk about it, but I can't wait to get started with the, with, with the players from, from seven-year-olds and eight-year-olds all the way to the tour. And so one of the things that is truly unique about Andy, and we'll, we'll look for him to go a little deeper into that, is – he is currently coaching some young collegians right now. And, and for purposes of support, Andy, please tell us about the, the group of kids that you're coaching and where they are. And our intention is to make sure that we support you through that in, in whatever social media means uh, is available to us out here in the fairways. No, I, I appreciate that. I'm, I'm the, the head coach um, of Lynn University. Uh, we're the back-to-back uh, NCAA Division II national champions. Um, 
uh, got a great group of players uh, on the team, uh, you know, all the way, a very diverse group of, of players, a lot of Latin Americans on the team, kids from, from Chile and Argentina and Mexico and Colombia. But I also um, have uh, a tour stars kid on my team, Darren Clark, who was a past Ryder Cup champion and British Open champion, uh, his kids on my team, um, and, and then some local flavor, another kid from, from Jupiter, uh, a kid from Spain on the team. It's, it's a pretty diverse group of, of players. Um, fortunate enough to have a kid who, who on our team who played in the Masters, you know, a, a tournament a couple years ago, and so it's a very high-level team. And um, you know, we're in Boca Raton. All of the social media is is actually going from instead of uh, team-wide social media, it goes through my my personal social media. So it's uh, Andy underscore Walker Golf on on Instagram and and on Facebook it's Andy Walker on Twitter it's Andy underscore Walker Golf again and they kind of moved it because we want to make it a little bit more personable and so people can come on and not only are they following myself and most of the stuff I post has to do with just about everything I post has to do with golf so it, it, it works both ways it's not just like a Lynn golf page um, everything goes through our personal um, uh, coaches social media platforms great thank you and so let's jump right in fellas Ty, this is directed to you to, to start us off. Uh, currently, you hold the position of executive director for the United Golf Association, um, maybe more known as UGA. Help us understand your history and your relationship with golf. My, my relationship with golf started at the age of four. And that's because my grandfather introduced me to, to the game. I actually still have the putter that he gave me which is literally maybe the size of my torso with uh it's copperhead and it has um black uh, electric tape around the the grip and so that just tells you i have not changed it it is exactly the same as it was as i acquired it my grandfather actually was very involved in uga and golf as it relates to african americans and tournaments uh, in the Chicago area back in the 60s and early 70s. So that was something that I wasn't aware of, but found out later on in life as I started to dig within my family history and understanding uh, all these pictures that I had of my grandfather on the golf course. And a mutual friend of many of ours, Nick Cooper, he actually shared with me a bit more history about my grandfather and um, how amazing he was and integral into like what was happening in the Chitlin circuit as well as before that as well. And when I, I started pick golf back up when I was 26, I organized a golf tournament for Obama's campaign in 2007, got really involved in it a little bit more, and then got laid off in 2009. Fast forward, started a couple of golf companies in the travel space, and uh, been in travel for the last 10 years. But now, because of COVID, uh, COVID forces everybody to shift so, but prior to that, I started Deuce Golf or Deuce Premium, which is now we rebranded it. And I've been doing Deuce Premium until uh, still doing that. But obviously then a lot of things took over on the black golf space quickly close to like February. And when that happened, everything just kind of came together after the last PGA merchandise show and realizing that there was some some gaps in the golf industry not something that was a light bulb to me but now that it was a light bulb to millions of others it's just that there was a lot of conversations happening on panels 
uh, in large rooms and small rooms on the golf course. And I just kept looking at things and realizing that there's a lot of conversation, but there's not a lot of execution there. And not to say that no one was executing because there's plenty of things that were going around. You know, there was Bill Dickey has been fighting for a long time mm -hmm. for, you know, equity in the uh, in the industry and providing yeah. golf, you know, scholarships and tournaments and things like that happening in Phoenix area, where actually a lot of our of the our people we look at now, Cheyenne, Tiger, Varner, they all played on, you know, in the Bill Dickey tournaments and as well as Andy, you played there. You played there too, didn't you? Yeah, well, from Phoenix, I was a little bit before. So. <laughs> yeah, but. But so bottom line is, I guess I suppose that a lot of uh, we see a lot of organizations raising money. Um, but unfortunately, the money that's being raised is not at a level where it's at a first T level, hard to reach first T level funding. But it's not if you have the right resources and, um, and connections and network and hard nerve and sinew. And you know what that well, you know what that is, Vic. <laughs> if you have enough of that hot nerve, <laughs> then you can't do anything that is in front of you, man. And that exactly being an alpha gave me a lot of backbone to just say, you know what? If I'm not seeing others doing it the way I would like to see it done, then I'll just do it myself. And yeah. that's how we got here today. So one of the things that I really over and over again have have been adept at doing is making sure that we bookmark different segments or different portions in these episodes. And so right now in the fairways, I'm appealing to you all to bookmark this portion of of Ty. Ty talked about at least demonstrated his agility. He went back from 2007 to where he is today. And he didn't let the recessional period um, stop him. And so as talented as so many of us are, whether it's playing golf or whether it's being entrepreneurs, I think we need to be inspired by that point that, that he gave. And, and the other more profound point for me is he just gave you a, a, a little nugget into who he is and what we share together. And, and he is a distinguished member of that black and old gold and so I shared that, yeah, one time for that 106 for everybody out there. So I had, a, you That's know, right, I had to, just in case they weren't paying attention. Right. They are now. I had a newborn on the last episode. And so we we're, we're bringing it home right now. We won't judge them yet. <laughs> right. So we, we appreciate that, that introduction and, and you sharing that history with us. Andy, you too have a really, really interesting history. And I think one that we can be inspired by as well, when you think about stepping into the role of director of the UGA Academy and, and player development, you certainly are well positioned to do that. Talk to us about your history and relationship to the sport of golf today. Um, so like, like Ty said, I grew up in Phoenix, you know, with Mr. Dickey, you know, right down the street. And, yeah. and actually, you know, my, my dad introduced, uh, Alice to Bill, his wife. And so, um, you know, we, we go back deep and, and golf has been the roots. I've been playing competitively since I was five. Um, okay. Fell in love with the game in the first tournament. You know, I won by, by quite a bit and, and felt like a little mini uh, celebrity. And, you know, had the had the Calvin Peets and, and Jim Thorpes and, and Lee Trevino's at that time to look up to. 
And, um, and, and it really drove my passion to, to be a great player. I, I played everything, you know, grew up playing basketball, baseball, mm-hmm. you know, football, soccer, and, and golf, but always loved golf and, and was good at other sports, but my love was really for, for golf. Um, had a good high school career, you know, I was a, a, a high school All-American, nice. uh, went nice. on to play, you know, collegiately, was an All-American, uh, won NCAA championship, turned pro pretty early in my career. Um, got some status out on what is now the Corn Ferry Tour. Nice. Um, you know, played everywhere. I was I was your 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 golf vagabond, right? Wherever <laughs> I had status, if it was overseas, you know, I didn't care. If I had status and you were paying money to play, I was there playing. <laughs> right, right. And, and had a had a good career. Um, didn't quite have the career I probably should have had for for a couple of reasons. One, I fought some injuries uh, that, yeah. that that was through there, but had a good 12, 13 year career. Um, won 28 times, oh, you nice. know, made over a million dollars playing the game. And, and so, um, but I think with all of that, you know, I, I stopped playing in 2000, really 2010, uh, full time. I played a couple of events in 11, a couple in 12. Okay. Um, my last, you know, start being the, the Northern Trust Open, which is now the Genesis. Yeah. Over at Rib, yeah. And, um, and, and was part of the, the, the Charlie Sifford exemption that they called the open exemption at yeah. that time. Yes. Um, and. You know, I, then I fell in love with, with teaching and, and, you know, my, my son was getting a little bit older. Um, I think I used that as an excuse that he was missing me, but I think I was missing him more <laughs> at that time when I was on the road. And the feeling of picking him up from school was way better than me picking up trophies anymore. Yep. And so, uh, you know, staying at home and being able to teach and develop that, the, the coaching and, and teaching aspect of my career um, seemed natural. And I knew when... I didn't have the um, when when I really didn't want to get up in the morning and grind anymore to yeah. practice. I wanted to grind on other people, making sure they practice. Yeah. So for me, being on the lesson, you know, on the tee box was no more ten hours of me hitting balls. It was ten hours of me helping others, you know, perfect yeah. their trade. Yeah. Um, and and I got to realize that thirty something years of playing this game at a very high level, um, I got to share those experiences through every golf shot I helped someone else achieve. And, um, you know, I, I fell in love with it. Um, I've had a great career. I've won seven national titles as a coach. Mm-hmm. I've been coaching, you know, this is my ninth year as, as a head coach. Um, uh, some as a player and some as a coach as well. And when, when Ty and I got together, it was instant. I saw his passion for what needed to be done. Right. And the structure that he gave. Because I've worked at players that played on tour and I've developed players that have played on the tour from, from not much. But when Ty came in with the UGA concept, I was all in. First he yep. said UGA, I was in. Yeah. Because I know that's that's me. That's us. Yes. Right? It's, yes. It's, it's, I owe that to, to be a part of this. And so when he asked me to, um, we, we started talking about, you know, how do we get these players there? And, and I already kind of had a little bit of a blueprint in, in line. Um, it was it was a natural, you know, fit. And, and, and we feed off of each other great. And, and we play our roles really good. And, um, you know, and, I, and I'm excited because the train is moving. Right. And, yes. and and there's a lot of people hopping on that train right now. And, you know, the UGA, I really focus on, on the letter U. And, and when I say U, that's for us. Yep. And, and it is a united, you know, it's a, it's a united front that, that we're bringing to this game. And when I say intentional, like I said earlier, I mean that in, in the way that it was said. It's going to be a very intentional movement. Um, to get our players to the next level and to get the golf industry 
um, uh, really, really um, diluted with with us, right? And we're going to make sure that that we are sorry permeated with 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 African American players and, and professionals. Yeah, and, and so I think that's what I'm hoping is is something that we we end with tonight is how do we support this movement? And certainly at this moment in time, the TD Green Golf Podcast is a vehicle in support of you. But we have people, our listenership continues to grow. And I want to make sure that we all begin to change how we think about this game. There's certainly nothing wrong with playing an extra round or an extra 10 in any given year. But many of us today are in positions to provide support to the initiative and the effort that you all are leading right now. And so I say that early in this episode for our listeners out there in the fairway. And I'm sure that as we get to the end, I'll be able to reiterate that. But in between that, I'm confident that between yourself and Ty, there will certainly be enough nuggets or seeds that are dropped in the laps of all of us to make sure that we find our own place in supporting this effort and this initiative. So thank you. So really, really next up, from from my own research, um, UGA has a rich history, uh, but went dormant for a number of years. Can you talk to us about the motivation behind revitalizing it? And that's open to well, either one of you. We can both, we'll both hit on it because we both, like Andy said, we play off of each other very well. And uh, so it really, it really came to be fair. It's just research. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, we, mm-hmm. we talk about a lot of stuff and then I start opening up these books and I saw a big list of all these, you know, African-American golf books, the uh, books about African-American golfers and the history of it and us as we blended through the early 1900s, like 1910s, actually as early as 1896 uh, with with shipping and and moving up and just seeing every time we get to somewhere, which you saw something like today with Breonna Taylor's situation, we think we're getting close and then all of a sudden something comes down. Correct. You know, and we we think we're getting closer and then someone pushes us down again. Correct. And it kept happening. So in to for for those who don't know uga was founded in 1925 by a couple handfuls of very passionate golfers both men and women in washington dc and they weren't all from dc they were from boston chicago philly uh and some other surrounding areas as well as i think i said chicago so they all came together and said you know what was happening is the previous like eight or nine years prior to that they were trying to play in and compete in mm-hmm. a professional tournaments but also local tournaments around their backyards within their cities and they kept uh being told no mm-hmm. uh no 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 and you know after a while you like look i'm tired of hearing no so we have to find ways to be able to you know get into these tournaments so they began to actually file lawsuits against some of the organizers of a lot of these tournaments. And, you know, back in 1914 and 15, you know, there weren't many African-Americans who were judges or attorneys that could actually pick up and actually take it and do something with it. And if it did, it got to the judge 
the judge would just say, no, don't worry about it. You don't go away. Right. And that, that happened from, uh, I would say 1915 all the way through 1961 when they finally, after being sued, I think close to 14 times, the PGA finally decided to take the Caucasian only clause mm-hmm. off of the bylaws. Mm-hmm. So that clause had actually been on their bylaws for 40 something years, which actually is, I mean, if you look at it, that's a, a pretty heavy concern, but it just tells you the mindset of certain individuals who are part of the organization, but not just them, everyone who was around were all had the same mindset. Mm-hmm. And so after 61, they decided to move things forward. Um, and then UGA unfortunately started to dissolve because as similar to what they did with Jackie Robinson and the Negro League, they said, okay, well, we let one in and now we let in five. Right. Um, so you no longer have the need for the Negro League. Same thing. So the UGA was parallel, similar to the Negro League for baseball. So as soon as they started letting more of us play, Siffers and Elders and, and those guys back then, and the ladies and Gregory and, and, uh, and out the, Gibson, you start seeing, you know, things start moving, moving slower. Mm-hmm. You know, Renee Powell won as well. So what many mm-hmm. don't know is that Jim Dent, uh, Jim Thorpe, um, Althea Gibson, uh, Renee Powell, who everyone knows, and um, Siffer, Elder, all of those guys actually won on the UGA Tour back in the 50s, 60s, and early 70s. Right. Which is great because you're like, well, that's where they got started. Because they played there first and then they got to the big tour. Right. And so UGA was just that instrumental in carving out a place for black golfers back then. And then everything just started to fizzle. And that fizzle mostly came because there was there was less support. And, um, you know, there are a lot of other things happening, obviously, in the earth in the early 70s, but golf was not a focus for many of us. So how we got to today is just me doing a lot of research and understanding the challenges and realizing that I don't want to have a tour because we already have the Advocates Tour and Mike Cooper and Cole and Ken are doing a fantastic job with that tour. We don't want to be a a competitive piece for them. So as I started thinking of what was missing, what was missing was the developmental side of it mm-hmm. is how do we create a pipeline from these young ones from six, seven, eights, all the way up to the, you know, the Tim O'Neill's who are in their mid forties and how do we support them in a way that it's not just financial because it's, and it's not to say it's easy because they've been fighting to get financial assistance for decades and they haven't been getting it, Yeah, but they're going to, they need more than that. Correct. They need different kind of coaching, not just swing coach, but golf is a mental game. It's a physical game. So your body has to be in tune. I mean, you know, we can look at, you know, the U.S. Open. I mean, look how big you are. Everybody will say, ah, oh, he's too big to play and hit the ball. No, you know, he still can move that ball. But at the end of the day, they need mental coach, personal trainer, nutritionist. You know, they need somebody actually focused on their mind. They need people to make sure that their money is being managed properly. Right. You know, there's a lot as it relates to golfers that we don't see, but a lot of these other players who don't look like us have access to all those things and have that access to that since they were not all of them but many of them yes sir had access and andy you know that's one of andy's words is access and he'll folk he'll talk about let's talk about access and awareness you know and some other things that are key because a lot of times 
you know, we don't look, we look at where do these golfers come from? And they don't come from, you know, many come from country club, many come yeah. from having to be played, you know, in the AJGA tournaments and other, you know, tours for the, for the juniors. And they did that for years. And then that's how they just matriculated up through mm-hmm. the process mm-hmm. and scale. But a lot of our kids don't get a chance to do mm-hmm. that. So I said, well, that's when I bumped into Andy, you know, and it was very random, but it was random, but the universe, the yeah, universe did that. That wasn't on. me going seeking Andy. You know, the universe decided to bring Andy into what I was trying to figure out, um, you know, almost immediately and right at the right time. And he's been a blessing to my, my vision and has helped me open up my eyes to a lot of things that I wasn't aware of that were happening behind the scenes. But uh, I, I know that we have a great partnership and I know that what we're doing with UGA as it relates to grants to grassroots programs, which, you know, our goal is to provide over a half a million dollars to grassroots programs across the U.S., which has never really been done, especially mm-hmm. for urban communities. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was supposed to be done, but it didn't really get done the way <laughs> it was supposed to be done. But that's another conversation for another day. Um, and then we want to provide also another half a million dollars or more to scholarships to young black and brown children who are coming through these high school programs and want to attend an HBCU Absolutely. or college of their choice uh, and be able to go there without worrying about what all they can give me was um, a third yeah. of my tuition and yeah. fees. But Iowa State, Florida State, you know, Texas, you know, ABC gave me a full ride. Yes. And my mom doesn't have the money to be able to do that. So instead of me going to Jackson State or Howard or Hampton or FAM, I'm going to go down here to Texas. And I'm not going to be able to take my special talent to, uh, you know, a historically black college university and have an experience that I had because I went to Morgan State Mm -hmm. and I would trade that experience for anything. Yep. But that is really where we're going is how do we create opportunity? How do we support the kids, the parents, and how do we support the coaches, especially the ones at the HBCUs, to make sure they have all the resources. And they're getting the best players that they can because although it's great to be able to win, but when you go to an HBCU and you look at their golf team and 90% of it does not look like you. Correct. Or the university or the enrollment at that university, then, you know, that becomes, people start to get frustrated and say, well, why and how and how do we change that? Yeah, that's that, that's good stuff. And, and Andy, let me go into the the actual uh, another question to piggyback off of that, and then allow you to dive into this. And 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 I and I think it plays well off of what Ty just shared with us. In the modern era, how will you ensure that the history of UGA stays aligned with the present and the future state of golf? Well, that, that's great. You know, really what we want to do is we want to change the present and future state of golf. And right. And we want it to look like, you know, like I said, we want to change the complexion of the game. And and I think what's really important is is bringing back the legacy of the UGA. Mm-hmm. It was ours. Mm-hmm. And before, if, if we don't know our history, you know, then, then, then we have no place to go. Our future is going to look really bleak. And so bringing back the history of what was really successful, because if you think about it, you know, back in the 70s and 80s, there were more back players on tour than there are now. Correct. Right? I mean, there was tons of them. You had the Charlie Siffords and, and, the, and the Elders and the Peets and the Thorpes and the, and the Walter Morgans and the, 
you know, Charlie Owens, and you had there's so many, and, and and at that time Renee was playing, and Larie Suggs, you know, people forget about Larie and, and all the great things that she did as well playing, and so there were so many players out there, and as we got further away from the UGA and the concept of a family and us doing things together, yep. started separating, yep. right? And as we started separating, it's it's kind of the, the old divide and conquer, right? Right. And, and then once, once one get let in, you know, my, my whole career, you know, I was compared against Tiger. Well, no other player coming in is compared against Nicholas, <laughs> right? And so it's like, well, can you beat Tiger? Well, of course I can beat him. I, I have beat him. Right. I beat him all the time. No, no one does. He's the best <laughs> right. ever, right? Right. He wins pretty much all the time. But, exactly. you know, so it's, it's a lot of the, the burden that we carry. But in, in talking to some players from the past, and not to put any blame on anyone, there wasn't anybody carrying us forward. There isn't wasn't yep. anyone reaching back yep. to us that were playing, right? And so, and I think there's for a lot of reasons. I think they went through such struggles that a lot of them became bitter. Yeah. And a yeah. lot of them became, you know, tired. And, and I understand. So my thing is, I'm not tired. I'm still young and, and I've been there. I've been where these players want to go and, and, and where they haven't been yet. And I've, I've created players, like I said, at every level from high school to collegiate All-Americans to national champions to tour players and to PGA and LPGA Tour winners. So inside of that, that's what I want to do with us. So I want to make sure that we continue to do that inside of a structure that is UGA. And it's very important that it is not um, owned or operated by anybody but us. Yeah. And so that's where my passion lies in, in, in doing this project. And so he, here's what I'll say to to our listeners out there in the fairways. Let's not let Andy and Ty get tired. You know, the work of being a pioneer, the work of being an entrepreneur is certainly not for the faint of heart. And one could argue that today um, we are in a better position than the broader community of us was in the 50s, 60s, and 70s. And so as you listen to this episode, I'm going to ask that you not only listen from an informative perspective, but I'm asking that you listen from a, a how can I assist, right? We've got two point guards that are talking to us today, and how can we as a community continue to drop dimes or allow them to drop dimes in our communities and support this initiative because we are in a position where we can do that today. So good, really, really good stuff. As I transition, help us understand what is the vision for UGA? Um, I'm going to keep it simple. Uh, and this is uh, truly we're just committed to increasing the introduction the development and advancement of African-American youth to the sport. Uh, and that is just, that's our core. And our core is to make sure that we create a pipeline from the young ones up to the new, and that we support them all the way through. A lot of us, you know, we talk about stuff, but you know, we, and we do it in small groups, but then we don't find ways to go back and reach out. You know, um, there are a lot of, grassroots programs that are non-first team programs in mm. many of our major cities and some of our smaller cities. And there's a lot of golfers who drive right by them on the way to the golf course. But a lot of us 
see those programs. We're aware of those programs, but I don't believe that we are volunteering our time as much as we can. You know, for, you know, I challenge all my, you know, brothers in, you know, historically black fraternities and all the sisters in the sororities, as well as the Jack and Jill parents and right, all those right. in between and far around right. to, you know, to, to find ways to, you know, bring golf into to your household if it's not in a small way. You know, if there are programs locally and close to you, find out who runs those programs. Go spend an hour, yeah. you know, go bring your chapter bros, go bring your sisters, whoever can or cannot play, or just your buddies and just go over there and see what you can do to help. And some help is not always monetary. It's necessary. Yep. However, you know, a lot of these programs are operating on slim funds and a lot of them are coming out of the people's pockets who are actually running those programs. But we have to support those programs with not just time, but structure, resources and opportunity. I mean, you look at all these little league, my son played soccer, there was a logo somebody's company on the back yeah you know of yeah. his jersey from the time he was seven or eight yeah. you know but that that's a, that's financial support you know and there's other resources but you have to that's one of our key pieces our, our earmarks is to make sure that we support these other programs you know locally and what we will do through andy is we will go and find you know the most talented but all the also those kids who show the most opportunity and provide them with a framework and a structure and at the UGE Academy, as well as, you know, as they move through, because if they want to be awesome, if they endeavor to be great and to play at each level within the sport, uh, as many do, we have to support them and make sure that they have the resources that they, you know, uh, that they need. The key thing is the parents, you know, we talked, Andy and I talked about this with someone else. Uh, a couple of days ago is that a lot of parents, honestly, some parents don't know. Yeah. You yeah. Know, some parents aren't aware of what it takes to be a professional golfer. If their kid says, Hey, uh, I really love this thing. You know, it's easy to go find soccer, you know, so find that, yeah. you know, pop Warner, find little league, you know, find this, but it's not as many of these small golf programs in a lot of these cities. So we have to make sure that we're marketing and advertising these programs as best as we can locally, you know, as, as a community, because we are a village and we're a village around this sport, but we can't keep this thing going if we keep ignoring, ignoring it. And on Desiree Walker, we did a podcast a few couple of weeks ago with Desiree Walker with Road to Par. And I challenged fathers, um, but I'm also challenging mothers who also play golf. You know, we like to go play golf socially as leisure because it's our time away from, from work at home sometimes and it's our break. But it is necessary for us to bring our kids, you know, uh, just put them in the cart now. Right. Easy to put them in the cart now because we're, they say only one person to a cart unless you're in the same household. Right. Great. Junior, let's go. Ah, dad, come on out. Bring your cell phone. It's fine. Yeah. Because I want you to sit here and experience these five or four and a half hours with me along with the buddies and now they have three new uncles yes or eight new uncles and people who will look after them and say hey where is he next time you know what next time i'm bringing junior yeah, yeah now you have two sons out there now you got three and now they fall in love with the sport now they want clubs now they want to go to the range now they want to watch golf channel 
They want to say who is Cameron yeah. Champ, who is Harold Varner. Yeah. You know, that's, you know, we don't see all LeBrons, you know, like we, kids who want to play basketball, they see black greatness on television yeah. every night. Yeah. They see it in football. But we don't see that in golf as much as we would like to or as we should because it's very selective. And I, you know? I, I, think that's, I think that's good stuff. And I think that's another kind of a bookmark that, you know, we've got to embrace. Um, Ty talked about our fraternities and sororities. And, and listen, I'd like to underscore that. I think for the Divine Nine community, um, this is kind of a, a transitional opportunity for many of us to go from what we know is our traditional programs that were founded between that 1906 and that kind of 1935 period, if you will, um, to, to take this to the next level in service. And so uh, I do underscore Ty's point there. The UGA Developmental Golf Academy, Andy, I know you and I had a little bit of conversation about that before we got started. Um, what should we know about the academy? Um, it, it's going to be where, where we've been left off. And, and, and Ty talked, you know, great about all of the grassroots programs. And we've been involved in grassroots programs for, for 100 years. And guess what? We're still here having this talk. Yeah. And so yeah. I, I don't want, you know, the, the importance of the UGA is so we're not having this talk 20 years from now. Yeah. Right. I mean, yeah. we, we're going to see the fruits of our labor. Uh, the, the UGA is going to be five phases of a very high level development. The first phase being the grassroots programs, and we're going to support them monetarily. We're going to support them with, with resources and access. Um, and that's going to be the pool of players that we get for stage two. So we're going to have, when I say an academy, it's not going to be an academy as far as just a philosophy. It's going to be a physical building, academy, golf course, and everything that goes with it. It's going to be our, it's going to be our Wakanda for golf. Yes, that? sir. <laughs> yes, sir. I like that. So, I like talking about this concept for a while. Inside of there, we want our players playing the top uh, level of, of tournaments. So whether they're playing AJGA, we want our players playing the MAC champ championship that, that's run by, by Cameron. And he's giving back and all these different resources are starting to give back. Yes. So we have places for our players to play. Um, you know, inside of that, phase two is gonna be our junior tournament prep series. This is gonna be a soft and warm welcome to the world of tournament golf. Too many times when we don't know, we get thrown into the deep end and we don't want to swim yet. Right, and right. we get discouraged right. because we're the only ones there. And then we got thrown into the deep end with no one to save us, right? right? So what happens is we peel off and we know we can find a bunch of us on the basketball court and football field, right? So we, we go to things that are comfortable. We're going to give a warm welcome, not only as far as the rules and etiquette of the game, we're going to show them the mechanics of the game and how to score, but how to schedule tournaments properly for their level of play. So they are warm welcome into it and they see success at an early age. Success breeds success. And, and, Absolutely. and we saw, you know, Tiger at a very young age was invited to tour events from when he was 13, 14, 15 years old. They didn't yeah. play every tour event because this thing was, I'm gonna keep winning where I'm supposed to win. Right. And I get there, all I know is winning. Correct, right? correct. So, and, and I think it's a great concept. We need to do that with us as well. Our, our phase three is our junior tournament players. There's a lot of these we see in the in, in the black junior golf groups and we see on Facebook and Instagram 
these, these young brothers and sisters that are out there doing their thing. And there's hundreds of them around the country. We're going to bring them all inside of a facility where we give them not the best access they have available to them. We're going to give them the best access available to anybody. Where we're going to have the top level instructors and there's some very talented young brothers and sisters around this country Mm -hmm. that are teaching tour players and college players and top level amateurs already. Mm -hmm. We're going to put everything under an umbrella in the academy to where they're doing it daily. We're going to work on the nutritional side, like like Ty was saying, the mental side of the game, um, the fitness side. We're going to work on, obviously, the biomechanics of the game. We're going to get really intricate, like when I was playing on tour or like with the tour players that I train. They're going to have access to that every day inside of a, a school program as well. Yes. So they'll go to school in the morning. They'll be on campus. They'll come with us at, at noon you know, after they had lunch, and we get them the rest of the day. And we're going to be grinding with these Ooh, players to produce our next level of top level players. Um, our phase four is going to be a junior national team, an amateur national team. I've had success as a coach because of the players I travel and recruit around the world yep. are playing tour events in Europe. They're playing tour events in Germany. They're playing tour events in Latin America. They're playing top level amateur and junior events. We're going to be taking and funding our best players to go and play these. So now we have yes. world rankings. If yeah. I talk to people about wagger rankings and all these kind of things, it, it'd be like, you know, talking gibberish. Right. These are stuff we need to know. And fortunately, I've been in a position, I've been blessed with, with, with a gift from the man up above, and I nurtured it, and I had support yes. resources yes. to get to the place where I can now share this with our next crop. Yes. Right? Um, our amateur national team as well is going to be the same thing. These are going to be our top-level amateur and collegiate players that we're supporting not only financially with scholarships like Ty was talking about, but again with resources and access so they are getting the top level of everything, whether it's equipment, tournament schedules, um, top level hard and soft goods, um, and, and everything they need to do, instruction, facilities, to make sure that when it's time to turn pro, yes. they have, they're, they're already set up for success. Yes. Um, inside of that, we're gonna, we're gonna support the HBCU coaches. It's very important Oof. that we don't let HBCU golf die. Yes. And, you know, I'm not ashamed of my past. I mean, I had a great career at, at Pepperdine, and I think I, I, I blazed a trail for some other people to come behind me and do those things at the D1 level. But it's kind of a shame that, you know, for myself and Tiger and Cam and Joseph and, and Harold and some of these guys, that HBCU golf wasn't an option for yep. us. Yeah. Because we were already kind of passed upon the level. Well, guess what? Now they do have the the, the, the coach Smoots and the coach Jennings and and, and, and Sam Furrier at, at, at Howard. At Howard, yeah. So the level of coaching is getting high. Guess what? We got to make sure that the level of financial resources and access for them matches their talent. So, because you can have the best coach in the world with no resources. The players are going to be the only ones that suffer. So we're going to make sure that not only we help these coaches develop into being better coaches whether it's learning recruiting and and some of the 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 rules inside or biomechanics or technology but financially with those programs and make sure that they not only sustain but they flourish so i think Um, i i think that's a a great segue and 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 what i want to do is i want you all to introduce the audience to how we can connect with you all i know it i know there's a website 
I know there's a donate button on that website. Talk to us about that, because clearly what you two are talking about is really not out of pocket opportunity. It's going to require resources and a community that is willing and able to help you, which is where I think we are today as a community. So talk about that. Dick, if I can ask a small favor, uh, one of the key pieces of our academy um, is our phase five. And Annie didn't get a chance to talk about Absolutely. that. And that's probably the one that's going to get everyone's true attention. Not, it's, it's our, it's, if not our most, it's our second most important phase. Andy, would you mind jumping into the phase five? Absolutely. No, I'll, I'll gladly do that. Then we can talk about how to fund this whole thing. <laughs> that's, that's right. <laughs> So obviously it's not going to be a cheap venture, but, but phase five is going to be our UGA professional staff. And okay. we're seeing a lot of these players now, obviously Tim O'Neill and the success, you know, mm -hmm. we, we've been playing together for years. He's continued to play and, and obviously I think he's playing the best golf of his life right now. Um, you know, Kamayu Johnson, who just mm -hmm. won the Africans tour championship, it, you know, falls under our umbrella. We're going to bring quite a few young women that are, you know, there's a lot of women that are right on the cusp of getting to the LPGA tour that are currently either playing the Symmetra Tour or other mini tours, um, as well as some young brothers that are right there at the cusp. Um, I, I tell you what, what, what gets me so excited on the golf and being able to share my experiences and help these players get to the next level are some of the things that, that Ty had talked about earlier where, you know, we're gonna make sure that these players have things that, um, that are as important as health insurance. Mm, mm. I mean, it, it's, it's the little things that we're going to take care of that are going to make a big difference to their careers in the long run, right? We're going to put them in a financial position to where they're making decisions on the golf course that enable them to win golf tournaments that are not based off of if they're going to be able to pay their, their lights that, that month or if they're going to be able to pay their car note because I've been in that position. Yep. I've made decisions on the golf course that were strictly monetary not making sure that I had a chance to win the golf tournament. That's a, that's an awful position to play from. I don't want any player behind me to ever have to go through that. Right, right. And so, and luckily, you know, I had Mr. and Mrs. Goldston with, with, with Gourmet Services and and, and Bill Danan and, and, and some other people that have helped me, you know, through some certain times. Right. But, you know, we want to make sure that these players are supported, not only with the best resources and access to make sure they get the most out of their games, and, 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 you know, I mean, simply put, um, I, I don't, I'm from Phoenix, Arizona. It's hot there. Yeah. Right. I don't know how to ice skate. So I'm not going to be on here talking about hockey guys. Right. Right. <laughs> I'm a golfer. It's what I've done my whole life. I've done it at the very highest level. I've done it at the highest level that there is. I'm ha I've had a lot of success for over 40 years in this game at different levels. And my thing is, you know, I tell the parents, let me get your players to that next level because I've done it. We have a proven system that I did at an academy in Phoenix um, that I've done with college players and high school players that I've worked with the last 10 to 12 years. And so now is a chance to, you know, I, I'm a hip hop head, you know, and, and, and Big Daddy Kane said, ain't no half step, right? And, and that's the thing is, you know, I mean, that's hip hop. That's not rap. That's all. I mean, that's that's the original. But that's the thing. It's like that's where you know, ain't no half stepping anymore. There right. is no more. There's no more middle ground. We can't do it. I can't allow it to see it happen. And 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 I'm urging everybody. You know what? 
what Ty has started is is the most monumental thing I've ever yeah. heard. Yeah, no it, doubt. It's an emotional plea from from myself, and and I get to be a part of it. And so, you know, let's go, guys. It, it, it's time to get to that next level. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, absolutely. And so we're pushing. You know, we're pushing up against our lot of time. We got a little bit to go. So let's talk about the website and let's talk about the donate button. How can the community, how can the fairways help UGA advance its purpose and advance its vision and advance its mission? All right. Okay. One, two, three, four, five. <laughs> All right. Um, I'm going to try to keep it as simple, but also make it, you know, because it really is, it's just this umbrella thing. And what, what is important for us is that, yes, you can go to the website, you can give 10, 25, 100, 250,000, give whatever you want to on the website. The great thing in what you've done is that we looked at other models in the industry as far as nonprofit organizations are concerned. Mm. And many of us have subscriptions like Apple Music, Spotify, yeah. Netflix, stuff like that, that we spend $10, $15 a month, $20 a month, and half the stuff we don't use. Mm -hmm. And we're making other people a lot of bread mm -hmm. by doing it in mass amounts of people. And I think what's important is that what we're looking for is for people to say, you know what, I have an extra $20, $10, $100 a month that I can put in, I can go to their website, we make it easy, we don't have to talk to people, you go right in there, and you put your credit card in, automatically hit your card every month until you decide you no longer want to do it. But hopefully that's never a conversation. Right. But many of us have $20, we have 50. I mean, that's a tea time. That's a half a tea time. It's a box of balls. Many of us get a dozen balls for $25. And some of y'all hackers out there buy a box of balls every month because y'all losing. So... I mean, we're investing, you know, you get a new golf glove every month. You get a lot of things every month in golf that you're spending on materialistic things. Right. Um, but we're not investing in our children and our programs and the sport that you love so much. We want to see you investing in that. One of the other things is that we have such a broad audience and amazing people who will be listening to this who are executives uh, at their organizations. They're entrepreneurs. But they're also board members of foundations and organizations that give lateral money. If you're on the UPS Foundation or Pepsi or Coke, or if you're on another foundation, you're 100 black men, and you're you you know you're like, look, we have money that we need to we have designated to give to other programs, youth yeah. sports, whatever. And half of the guys in those programs probably play golf anyway. Have UGA as a beneficiary of your program. If you are a foundation and you have $100 million and you know that it's not being pushed in uh, diverse communities, you know, to increase, you know, diversity in sports and equity as well as, you know, um, uh, it, it re inclusiveness, we have to be able to find, speak up for, for UGA, present us to schedule a call with Andy or I or both of us together to really understand what our goals are. And you'll see exactly what we're supposed to be doing and then how we need to do it. But what we're looking for is, you know, the baseline. We want thousands of people giving 10, 20, 25, $50 a month. But we also want to make sure we get these corporate partnerships with large organizations who could actually filter things down to their employees 
but also give at the foundation level. And those are the amounts that are the 50, 100 grand, million dollar opportunities. I mean, we just heard last week, Monaghan from the PGA Tour said they're going to designate $100 million to programs that are specifically targeted understanding how do we can work on better diversity right. in, in golf, but also our communities. And UGA is falling right in line with a lot of those things. Right, so right. here opportunities that we have, and the blessing is this, and I'll, and I'll end with this, is that many of the conversations that Vic and Andy and I, we've all seen in all the groups on Facebook, and we've had conversations mm -hmm. around fire pits and cigars and dark liquor, is we want to help. But we don't know how to help. And we've never had an organization that really checks all the boxes to everything that everybody's been complaining about what they want to do or what's missing. So now you have one. The United Golfers Association will check every box that you're saying, I wish it should have been, it could have been, it should have, it'd be really nice if, well, we have all that now. So there's no excuses. The website's up. And one of the next, October 1st, we'll have a membership program. So you can actually give anywhere between 100 one time or up to $10,000. And we will have five different stages of our membership program. If you want to know more information about that, you can follow us on Facebook. And you can go to our United Golfers Association page or our private group. And we'll be posting information about the membership uh, levels and what you can do. And also what are the benefits of being a member of UGA. Yeah, that's awesome. And so uh, out in the fairways, Website is www.uga.org, or you can search in your no, browser. UGA, UGA.golf. UGA.golf. So, I'm sorry. So there's, there's United, United Golfers Association.org, and then there's UGA.golf because we got to keep it simple for some folks because some folks are special. There it is. And so, again, <laughs> as we're, we're getting to that point, fellas, help us understand how Tee to Green Golf Podcast can serve as a support system for the United Golfers Association. Andy, you want me to grab it or you want to grab it? Uh, you can grab it. I mean, you know, my thing is, is really uh, continuing to do these types of, of programs. Um, obviously, we, we urge all the listeners to, to go to our site and, 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 and join um, because it's going to be more than just developing players. We're going to be developing our next um, you know, golf professionals as well. Inside of this, you know, they're going to be leaving certified and qualified to, to permeate the, the golf industry, which is very much needed. We didn't even get to touch on the numbers of the lack of, of, of black uh, LPGA and PGA members inside the business of golf. You know, it's less than a half a percent mm. are African American. And so we're going to be training those players as well. Um, you know, I urge all the listeners to, to go to our site, like, like uh, Ty was saying, learn more about what we're doing and, and how to donate um, and, and come out because we're going to have a physical academy there. And, and I think as we want you to see what we're doing, we want you to be a part of it and touch and feel and, and be a part of what we're doing because, you know, at the academy, there's going to be instructors working with everybody. So we're not only going to be just developing these players, we're going to be developing everybody. We That's want it stuff. to be, like I said, this is going to be Wakanda for golf. This is going to be our golf course. This is going to be a place where people from not only around the country, but around the world can come and congregate fellowship and, and do something together inside of a sport that we all love. And yes. it's done so much for all of us. That is, that is good stuff. And so we've got a few minutes. Ty, in, in a very short period of time, is there anything additional that you'd like to share 
throughout the fairways about UGA? Uh, I realized that I I forgot something, and Andy triggered triggered that in me. Is that one thing that we want to make sure people understand is that the industry of golf um, it looks very much like it does on the golf course when you look at Golf Channel on a Saturday or Sunday. And one of the things that we do understand is that everyone would not have the talent to play at the professional level. So what we have to do is to make sure that we're actually grooming uh, golfers who are educated in the sport, who understand the science of the sport, who understand how to actually be inside the retail business. So if you're a business major, marketing major, an architect, you're an engineer, you can still be in golf and still have that love for it, but whatever these young uh, collegiate players are doing, if they can't make it to that level, they have a degree. And that degree can take them to go work for any yeah. of these major companies yeah. that are currently not hiring as much of us um, as they should. You know, I uh, think it was, and oh, geez, I'm, now I'm going to have a brain fart, but. Uh, it was all over my Facebook. There was an executive who said, CEO said, well, the reason why we aren't hiring, you know, ABC is because there's not enough talent out there. Oh, it's Wells Fargo. Wells Fargo. Yeah. So, but you know what? We could be mad or we could say, you know what? So let's work on actually creating, uh, you know, more finance majors. No doubt. Absolutely. So let's, you know, so let's, and so as it relates to golf, Troon, Titleist, Club Core, Ping, Golf Channel, Golf Week, all these other, all these major companies who say, well, we're looking, but we can't find any. Well, Andy and I are going to make sure that that's no longer an excuse. Excellent. Because we're going to groom professionals to be able to have, as they come through the program, Class A, they'll be able to get certified in everything that they, that they need unnecessary. People who want to be coaches. We'll be able to come through a particular program that'll be built through us and supported by us. So now they can go actually be coaches of whatever school they want to and be certified or qualified more or less than anything else. We just want to be able to see us in the boardrooms, in the corner offices, in the cubicles, and you know behind the behind the camera and in front of the camera more as well because we're not seeing it anywhere. But if there's anything else that I was going to leave, that would be it. You know and that is the most important thing is there's only a small amount of us who can play at the top level, but there's millions of opportunities for us to be inside of this industry, you know, in more ways than just being, you know, swinging a club on a fairway. Absolutely. Well, for those of us in the fairways and, and, and uh, that listen to this episode today, we have a call to action. We have been informed by two true pioneers, very much excited about what's ahead for them. I personally know that I will be following this uh, step by step and, and look forward to getting them back on the podcast for an update episode. Like we always say, hit it straight from T to Green. We're out.